the Big Bets on Campus podcast. 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 All right, here we go. What's up, Degeneration? Welcome to the Big Bets on Campus podcast. This is the Big Ten betting preview. I'm Stucky, and joining me, as always, my co-host, Colin Wilson, almost at Arkansas time. But first, <laughs> before we get to the SEC, we have to talk some Big Ten. You ready to roll? I'm ready to roll, man. After going to the media days and, and hearing uh, Kevin Warren say that they're going to do what they want and they're going to scoop any team to join this conference and USC and UCLA might just be the beginning. Amazing how college football is transcending and the Big Ten is right at the lead of that, especially with these TV contracts and the details that are coming out on that. So, hey, this is an exciting league. I'm excited to see how it pans out. No new head coaches in this league. 14 teams, zero, zero head coaching changes. There are eight. New offense coordinator changes, depending on how you look at like co versus main and eight defensive coordinator changes up to, you know, some are kind of questionable. Like, do you think Michigan has a true quarterback battle? I kind of do, but you know, there's some that are, but yeah, up to, you could argue up to seven quarterback battles, which we'll get into Ohio state, the overwhelming favorite to win the big 10, they're minus 200 Michigan next at plus 800 Wisconsin, 12 to one Penn state, 14 to one. Nebraska, Iowa, 20 to 1. And you start to get out of Michigan State, Minnesota, Purdue, et cetera. The Big Ten East, which is obviously one of the most loaded divisions in all of college football. Ohio State's a minus 300 favorite to take it home. Their win total, we're still, we'll start there because they, Alabama, we agree. We've talked about this. I think most agree. It's not rocket science here. Ohio State and Alabama are head and shoulders above the rest of the field this year. I wouldn't be shocked, depending on how Georgia handles all of the bodies they lost. I wouldn't be shocked that at some point, you know, and say Clemson's quarterback situation doesn't work out and everything goes right for Alabama and Ohio State, that they're, they're 14 points better than the third best team. It actually wouldn't shock me this year. So Ohio State, their win total, these books don't want to get middled and other various reasons, but over 10 and a half minus 230. Um, <laughs> I think like what? Let's see. What else is uh, over 11 minus 130. I project 11.4 wins. I have them over a two-touchdown favorite in every single game. I don't really see value over 11 minus 140. Look, we don't really have to spend too much time on Ohio State. They're going to be double-digit favorites in every game. We know about their offense, right? They lost some talent in the NFL at receiver and offensive line, but they're still reloaded. Highs of potential quarterback, highs of potential running back. And then they bring in Jim Knowles, which is – that's the biggest thing on the defense. It's now national – potentially a national title contending defense because of the organization – and scheme that he will bring. So this is a complete team. It's one of the top two teams in the country. I think they're just a hair behind Alabama. If the defense really comes together, I think they'll give Alabama a run. Um, I remember they were 129th in returning experience going into last year. Here's my here's my argument of laying it like just laying minus 200 to on Ohio State to win the Big Ten. I think they're going to run the table. But if they lose one game in the regular season before that Michigan game, 
only just one, right? They go to they go to Michigan State, Penn State. As long as they beat Michigan, and then as long as they beat say Wisconsin, then they still win the Big Ten in all likelihood. You know, they'll be like a twenty point favorite in both those games. That's like a minus six hundred parlay. Now, obviously, other things have to happen before, but they are so much better than every other team in this conference. Maybe Michigan is closer than I might have power rated. But um, any thoughts on? how to approach Ohio state from a betting perspective, or is you don't see anything here? Yeah. I mean, we are not a podcast that sits around and the water cooler talk about how good they are. We have to get betting deliverables and that's really tough with Ohio state when they've been outpriced in every single way. Jackson Smith Najuba is down to 25 to one for the Heisman in certain spots, opening up at hundred to one when, when Heisman odds were put out there and you just can't find a good bet on these guys. And you mentioned it. The biggest acquisition is Jim Knowles coming in from Ohio State. A year ago, we're sitting here talking about Kerry Coombs and the bullet position, and we're going to figure out a way to have a floater go all over the field, and that's going to stop us from getting burned. That should all be done now with Jim Knowles coming in. It should be an issue anymore about them getting burned. 80% returns, uh, according to TARP. And I think one thing that you should take note is that Jack Sawyer goes into his second season. He's primed to follow the footsteps of Chase Young. I mean, this is going to be a play on team every week. If you don't want to go division, you don't want to go just all in the Big Ten, because right now those prices are about the same price it would be like when they're money lined in the Big Ten championship game. But let's start with game one. Let's get a deliverable out there. This number opened up around 14 against Notre Dame. That's steamed up to 14 and a half, 15 and a half in some spots. I make it 17 and a half. And I think by the time we get to week one, we're going to be looking at a number that's just teetering between 16 and a half and 17 and a half with sharps and squares and everybody getting on both sides of that. And I think that you should go and hit that 15 and a half. Now, the reason is because of what Notre Dame brings back. I know you and I have had some disagreement about what we think of Marcus Freeman, but the last time Ryan day faced Marcus Freeman at Cincinnati, Ohio state was up 28 to zero at halftime. Notre Dame is expected to start a red shirt freshman and offensive tackle to start the season this year. That is really bad when you look at Jack Sawyer. It's really bad when you look at Zach Harrison. I would not want to bring a freshman tackle into a game against Ohio State's new defense with Jim Knowles, who's going to be out to prove a point after, you know, not making the college football playoff last year, losing to Michigan. This team has goals, they're focused, their defense is going to be great, and these defensive ends are going to eat Notre Dame's tackles for lunch. So I would bet the Notre Dame number now. I would worry about coming back on the other side later, even if you probably don't even need to. Uh, but that's my bet on Ohio State right now. Yeah, and Jim Knowles did the prep for Notre Dame in the bowl game last yep. year, which should pay off with a whole offseason to add on to that. I, I mean, I would lay it with Ohio State. Last year, Ohio State, the first time, it was the first time that they didn't make the cultural playoffs since 2017, the first time they didn't win the Big Ten in five years, and the first time they lost to Michigan in 10 years. And like I mentioned, they were one of the two least experienced teams in the country. I think that all that changes this year. Knowles has a lot to do with it. They win the Big Ten, they beat Michigan, and they go back to the college football playoff. And uh, if it is Alabama-Georgia in the SEC championship, give me Alabama in that rematch for all the marbles. Don't gamble. Don't associate with gamblers. Avoid it like the, the plague. Let's check in with Bodog Jim. All right, so let's move on to Michigan who win total sitting at nine and a half. And for what it's worth in the Big Ten East, and I should mention that we're going to talk with Mike. I, I interviewed Mike Allen Ionella, who does our Group of Five podcast with Mike Calabrese earlier today. He's going to give us a lot of insight on Penn State, and we touch on a few other Big Ten teams. Michigan in the Big Ten East, you know, the problem is they have to go to Ohio State this year. So in order to win the Big Ten, in all likelihood, they're going to have to win that game, which they finally did last year. 
Win total sitting at over nine and a half flat. I project them 9.3. And then the Big Ten East, look, I mean, I said Ohio State, no value in the win total. Penn State, over eight minus 145. I make it like 8.15. Michigan State, over seven and a half minus 120. I'm at like 7.8. Maryland, over five and a half minus 135. I'm at 5.63. Indiana, over four minus 120. I'm at 4.2. And Rutgers, over four minus 110. I'm at 4.1. The big time last time some discrepancies we'll get to, but I, I don't have any value on any win totals in the Big Ten East, but I know you like a couple, so you'll give us some guidance here, including Michigan. A Michigan, who should be favored by more than two touchdowns in seven games, big dog against Ohio State, uh, maybe a coin flip at Iowa, which could decide this. But new coordinators, they lost some backs, and they lost some key defensive pieces in the secondary. And then most importantly, I think, is are they going to still be able to generate the same amount of havoc? Because obviously they lost two key edge rushers to the NFL. Those are the biggest questions with Michigan. In addition to the quarterback situation, is it McCarthy? Is it McNamara? Who's going to get the job? Is it going to start with McCarthy and then eventually go to McNamara? So there are questions with this team. The special teams should fuck all year, which will help. Uh, the offensive line might be the best in the country, and it is getting rave reviews at camp um, with a, a lot of the guys that are there. I mean, this is arguably the best offensive line in the country last year, and it could be even better this year. What are your thoughts on the Wolverines? Yeah, a low dollar play on me for going over nine and a half. I, I'm like you, stuck. A lot of these numbers that are out there in the market, they've been they've been hit for a couple months. So there's not really a lot of value left for those of us that make win totals in the offseason. And this is one of those. I mean, I make Michigan 9.3. Uh, I'm going to go over nine and a half for a number of reasons. First off, this team's going to be favored in 11 of 12 games. Uh, I think my ideology when the offseason started was, oh my gosh, Josh Gaddis is going to Miami or Mike McDonald's going back to the Ravens. And then you look a little bit closer and you realize this is Jim Harbaugh's offense. Josh Gaddis had to bend what he wants to do, the speed and space or whatever the heck it was that he wanted to do when he got to Michigan. He had to bend and do what Harbaugh uh, wanted on offense, which is you know running this unbelievable ground attack behind Hassan Haskins and Blake Corum. So I don't expect any change in the offense whatsoever. As a matter of fact, Jim Harbaugh said it out loud uh, at Big Ten Media Days, and when he was pressed about who your quarterback's going to be, I think within 30 seconds he said Cade McNamara is going to be the starter, and then 30 seconds later he said J.J. is going to be the starter. So, you know, I mean, J.J. McCarthy is going to be the starter, but, I mean, really I think he's going to do more of the hot hand. McNamara with the highest floor, McCarthy with the perceived highest ceiling. Right. So I, I think it just depends. And he only had 41 dropbacks last season. The real worry with JJ McCarthy is, is protection of the ball. If that improves, he would probably see the field all the time. And the good news is the offensive line is anchored. Got a little Manzel in him. Yeah, no kidding. And, and the good news is that the offensive line is anchored by one of the best centers in the nation. The offense, I don't think, is going to have anything to stop them from what we saw last year. Yeah, Ronnie Bell back, the wide receivers are more, more experienced overall in general. They've Flashed a lot more in camp. Yeah, I think the passing game should be a lot more explosive this year. I mean, Bell is just a, such a huge piece for them. And he had his knee brace off today. Like, he looks fully healthy. Yeah, and then you have Donovan Edwards, who kind of came on late at the end of last season, can do everything from rushing to receiving to even passing the ball. He's only he, he was targeted 11 times in the game against Maryland, and it was just an absolute highlight reel. So if you get that for a full season, I mean, I, I don't know what the – limitations are on this Michigan offense, uh, you know, until they run into an elite defense like they did with Georgia in the playoff last year. 
And then you look at the defensive side of the ball and you think, oh my gosh, Mike McDonald like completely revamped this Michigan defense to where they're not, you know, getting torched or they get in these big games and, and they get pushed around. Uh, you know, I talked to Jim Harbaugh in depth about this. I always said, you know, Jesse Minter is also with the Ravens. Uh, can you tell us, you know, tell me the process of how you went to the Ravens and you were, you know, looking at Mike McDonald. He said, listen, we, we had Mike McDonald and Jesse Minter both on the interview list for the job of defensive coordinator here at Michigan. We just got farther down the road in the interview process with Mike McDonald. So that's who we took. So when Mike McDonald went back to take over the defensive coordinator duties for the Ravens, who was the first one to call Jesse Minter. So now Jesse, and I wouldn't be surprised if Mike McDonald ever leaves the Ravens, if Jesse Minter is the guy to step up and, and take over that job. But I mean, yeah, the Harbaugh family here is sharing coordinators and assistants like there's no tomorrow. So there's not going to be a drop off in the aggressive blitz or dropping eight and passing downs. Uh, there's just not going to be a change. And I expect these two guys that have been in the Ravens, you know, coaching system so long, it's going to be the same for Michigan. I, I think it's just, you know, it, we're going to see more of last year. I think the offense can be even more explosive. I think they can be even more efficient. And that's saying something considering this offense is number one in the nation and havoc allowed. Jim Harbaugh does not like tackles for loss. There are not fumbles. He does not tolerate fumbles. Uh, you know, so for me, he said at media days, we have three goals, beat Michigan State, win the Big Ten, win the national title. He said, we did not beat Michigan State. He couldn't stop repeating about how much, you know, we didn't beat Michigan State. It's because really- he knows he can't beat Ohio State this year. <laughs> yeah. He, well, we don't mention the team from up north, is, is, I think is what I heard. But, you know, Michigan State is is a game that, uh, that he'll put all his energy into. So be aware of that on your schedule as you go down. But I'm taking over nine and a half. Uh, we're not changing things on both sides of the ball. I don't think the new coordinators are going to change, you know, anything about the play calling. Uh, and this team's dangerous and they're explosive. And I, we have not seen a Michigan offense that is explosive downfield as well as this one. Yeah. Yeah. One thing I'll be, I keep my eye on is the secondary, you know, you lose Dax Hill and, you know, they have some talented players that they're going to plug in there, but that's something that I'm certainly watching. All right. Now it's time to bring on our guest for the big 10 betting preview. And if you listen to all of our podcasts, as you should, you should be familiar with them. Mr. Mike Ionella, and if you're not familiar with him, that's the reason I had him on, because Mike and Mike, as I've heard him, do such a good job with our group of five podcasts during the year. If you're like a legacy and you've been with me forever and you're like, I only listen to Stucky, well, stop. you got to listen to the group of five, too, because they do such a great job each and every week. So I wanted to introduce you to those of you that aren't familiar. And then also, for those that are, get his thoughts on the Big Ten and specifically Penn State, because you are a Penn State alum, correct, Mr. Ionella? Yes, I had the four worst years you could have been a Penn State student in recent history because my freshman year was right after Joe Pod, Bill O'Brien. And then the, uh, the year after I graduated, we won the Big Ten. I was stuck there for, you know, Matt McGloin and Christian Hackenberg was my four years of college experience. But yeah, happy to be on. Yeah, I, I grew up in Pennsylvania. My dad is a diehard Penn State fan. Die hard. So I grew up hating Penn State. Now, in I, Pennsylvania, I, you either love Penn State or you hate Penn State and there's nothing in between. And I will say I'm one of those fan slash gamblers where you'll never see me ever bet on or against Penn State. Mostly because I'm just too nervous as it is. I'm nauseous every Penn State game regardless. So I actually never bet Penn State games. So you already have action. It's already it's like you already have action on the game. We'll just get into your favorite win total over and then your favorite win total under. But we'll start with Penn State. The problem with your Penn State Nittany Lions is uh, the division they're in. It's not easy. And Ohio State is big favorite 
to come out of that division. Now they do have to go to Penn State. I assume that's the whiteout game. But uh, you know, the Penn State win total. When I did the analysis, I said that the win total and the entire season, the trajectory of the season. I man, I didn't even realize I'm wearing I'm wearing a Purdue shirt. Probably comes down to that Purdue game in Week One. And I, by the way, I am a very anti-conference game Week One guy. I hate them. I don't think that you should start with the conference game. But they're three-point favorites. I believe the market's still sitting at three. Obviously, a massive game for the win total for where Penn State's going to go. So, what are your overall thoughts on Penn State as a team? What are you worried about? What do you feel good about? Do you like the over or the under? Is it as simple as I'm making it? And, and it comes down to that. Probably going to come down to that Purdue game. I'm not as bullish on Purdue, to be honest with you. So I actually have as a Penn State win. Um, but I agree with you. I hate the conference game starting. We had to start uh, in Wisconsin last year. Got the win, but that was kind of that crazy game. Jaquan Brisker picked off awful. the pass in the end zone to end the game. That was a grammar special, that game. Yeah, from a nervous Penn State fan, I hate it. Let me ease into it with beating up on a MAC team. Obviously, no matter what I say, it's going to come off as bias. But I do like over eight and a half. I do think they go nine and three. It's never a good sign when you constantly have to defend your quarterback. But Sean Clifford was light years better last year than he was the previous years in his career. Fourth year as a starter, one of the most veteran quarterbacks in the country. His second year under Mike Yersich, which is his first time ever having the same coordinator two years in a row. He had more big time throws last year than the previous three seasons combined. You hear all the talk is like, oh, they lose John Dotson. They lose John Dotson. John Dotson was awesome. But we heard the same thing when we lost Allen Robinson. And then Chris Godwin's a star. And then he moves on. And it's like, how you know, puts Godwin and Deshaun Hamilton. And then KJ Hamler bursts onto the scene. And then when Hamler left, it was like, oh, the, all that speed. Then John Dotson emerges. Now it's, it's just going to be Parker Washington. Like, I'm not worried about losing Dotson because I think Parker Washington is the next superstar. You know, former four-star at 820 yards last year. His hands are unbelievable. Like, he could be a first-round pick next year as well. Mitchell Tinsley comes in from Western Kentucky, who, you know, we, we love down there in the G5 land. They have two stud tight ends. The biggest issue with the offense has always been the running game. You know, they sign Nick Singleton, who's the number one running back in the entire country. I think he gets plenty of carries, really. I think they, they are going to use him a lot to begin the year, which is good. Clifford's gotten a lot of shit, but, man, he got no help none. from the running game. Absolutely none. And he's mobile, too, which is good. And you look at last year, you know, people forget they were 5-0, and fourth in the country, and up, what were they up, 17 when he got hurt against Iowa? I had uh, Iowa that game, my, probably my luckiest cover of the year. Still clearly hurt against Illinois. I will die on the hill if they go 9-3 and last year if Clifford stays healthy. So, you know, obviously it was disappointing. And, and, you know, if, God forbid, that happens again, they did sign Drew Aller, who 24-7 has the number one quarterback in the country, maybe the least talked about number one quarterback ever you know there's so many much talk about um you know um Quinn Ewers and Archman and it's like Drew Aller was the number one quarterback this year I feel like nobody even like knows who he is 2023 by the way I'm all in on the Lions take them to win the Big Ten next year with Aller and Singleton as sophomores Clifford's just going to continue to get better we saw it last year the Penn State defense is always good so I'm not really worried about that they lose Brent Pry. You can argue Manny Diaz was maybe one of the best coordinator hires of the offseason. I think Manny Diaz is going to be awesome on this defense. Sure, they lose some key line. You know, they lose linebackers. They lose Jaquan Brisker, who was the heart and soul of that defense. But Jair Brown's back. He led the country's interception last year. Joey Porter Jr. is a stud at corner. It's weird. Yeah, my whole Penn State, you know, career was like, it was the D-line and the linebackers. And the secondary was atrocious when I was there. Now it's kind of flipped. 
Um, they do still have Curtis Jacobs, who's kind of the next, you know, linebacker you stud. PJ Mustafer coming back at the defensive line is absolutely yeah, he, The defense was just light night and day with him in the lineup before he yeah. got hurt. I'm stunned he came back. That was like a whole, yeah. that was a big one, him coming back. To me, there, there's two big questions. Obviously, Brew Wonderback's one of them. Is the offensive line is kind of always a concern at Penn State, especially in recently. And losing Jordan Stout is massive. He was the number one punter draft. He got he got Baltimore Ravens, baby. Got. Yeah, yep. oh, you're gonna love him down there. Him and Tucker. I mean, that's the best special teams unit in the NFL. So, as far as a win total perspective, I'm giving Penn State, Purdue, Ohio. Central Michigan, Northwestern, Indiana, Maryland, Rutgers. That's seven. Wintel's eight and a half. So you look at at Michigan and at Auburn. Auburn probably is going to stink. Um, so you get, to me, you have to win one of those games at Michigan, at Auburn. I'm chalking Ohio State up as a loss, even though it is at home, just realistically. And then you got Minnesota and Michigan State at home. So to me, it's going to come down to Michigan State, which is the last game of the year. It's at home. We always, always, always just play weird, bad games against Michigan State. So that game does scare me. I think I don't agree with you necessarily on the come down to Purdue. I think, I mean, it's dumb to say it comes down to the last game of the year. I give them seven wins. You got to win one of the at Michigan at Auburn. And then you got to win one of Minnesota, Michigan State at home. So I'm going to give them at Auburn and I'm going to give them Minnesota probably at home. To me, that gives you nine and three. You lose to Ohio State, Michigan, Michigan State again. So I like over eight and a half personally. There, by the way, I don't think there's a fan base on the country that is hoping the divisions and, and conferences yeah. goes away. Yeah. Because we would have made the playoffs in 2016 and we got we got screwed with that. You know, we beat Ohio State and then they get in the playoffs over us. So yep. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, I agree. I see nine and three if they beat Purdue. So my thought, you, you have them beating Purdue. So my thought is like, I don't want to, I, I, it's a pass for me. Like why tie up your money all year? Because if they don't also don't lose to Purdue, it might be a bad sign of other problems. So just bet them against Purdue in week one and you don't have to hold your money. But anyway, um, good stuff there. How about quickly run through your favorite over and your favorite under or undervalued team in the big 10 outside of Penn state. I think I like under nine for Wisconsin. I think they're overvalued just because it's Wisconsin. You know, Braylon Allen is an absolute freak and he's the next in line of the stud Wisconsin backs, but I mean, Graham Mertz is just bad. He's just, he's not the quarterback we saw against Illinois through more interceptions than touchdowns again last year. They lose their top two receivers. They lose Jake Ferguson, which is huge. I mean, if you watch those games, it was, if they were thrown out and if he was rolling out and Ferguson was not open, it was not a completion. So that's such a big loss. He was such a safety blanket for Mertz. They lose eight of their top 10 tacklers. Their schedule is really hard this year at Ohio State, at Michigan State, at Iowa, at Nebraska, home against Minnesota. So I'm going under on Wisconsin. And then my favorite over, which kind of hurts Penn State, is Michigan State. You know, their win total is down at seven and a half. They were 11 and two last year. So I'm, I'm not really seeing where where this big drop-off comes from, you know, Peyton Thorne's back. He's one of those just kind of like underrated, not great. He's almost a lot like Sean Clifford, honestly, where he's not great, but he like gets the job done. Sure. They lose Jalen Naylor, but they bring back Jaden Reed, you know, they lose uh, Kenny Walker, but they, they bring in Jarek Broussard from Colorado, Jalen Berger from Wisconsin. So they're kind of doing the same thing. And you look at, again, their schedule, they got Western Michigan, Akron at Maryland, who I'm really down on at Illinois, Rutgers, Indiana, there's six wins right there. 
So they need to win two games of at Washington, Minnesota at home, Wisconsin at home, at Michigan, at Penn State. They need two of those to go over. So I, I'm higher on Michigan State. I don't think they drop off that much from 11 and two to you know seven and five. Um, so those are probably the win totals I like. The teams that I think can have the biggest bumps this college football offseason are, are coordinator moves. Like you love the Diaz, and it's every year. You love the Diaz move for the defense. Um, I think just Minnesota, that offensive coordinator was a, you know, was, he was, they were match made in heaven with Morgan. Oh, he just thrived in that system. So good stuff, Mike. Make sure you check him and Mike Calabrese out each and every week on the group of five. They did a great job with myself, Colin, and Brett on the group of five conference previews. If you haven't checked them out, thanks for joining us, Mike, and uh, good luck with Penn State if in any uh, nine overtime games this year. No problem. Yeah, you guys can you guys can clearly listen to my Penn State bias when Stucky bullied me into betting Akron plus 100 to one Joe Moorhead to win the uh, win the Mac. Stucky bullied me into that in our Mac preview. So we're all aboard Jomo and the Zips this year as well. Perfect time to end there. Go Zips. Go Moorhead. Thanks again, Mike. Thanks, Doug. All right. Thanks again to Mike. Make sure you check out the Group of Five podcast each and every week. We love those guys. So, Colin, we covered Penn State pretty in depth. Mike also likes the Michigan State over. He doesn't see as big of a drop as the market is implying from what they won 11 games last year. On second order win totals, they probably pop up a lot because they were what they went seven and two in the Big Ten. They were negative yard differential. They were four and zero in one possession games. but you also like the over. I'm at like 7.9 right around there. So 7.84 on the dot. So if I had to, I would go over. There's uh, there's some there's some winnable games on here. But there's, you know, they have four gimmies. They're underdog four times. And then they're a favorite as four, four times as a single digit favorite. There's just some tough spots that would give me a little hesitation. Like if you just break down the, the nuances of the schedule. So, you know, they go to Maryland. And they'll be a small favorite there, but that's before Ohio State. And, you know, then they get Wisconsin at home, which is like a coin flip game between Ohio State and Michigan. And then after this huge run of this is just a brutal stretch, by the way, at Washington out of conference, coin flippish game. Then you're home against Minnesota. Then you're at Maryland. Then you're home against Ohio State. Then you're home against Wisconsin. Then you're at Michigan. After that brutal stretch, then you go to Illinois. So like kind of let down ish. And that is a set. That is a seven game stretch, which is absolutely brutal. So they should win their first two. They should win their last two. How does, how do they handle kind of, you know, can they upset someone in there? Do they get trapped a couple of times? So I'm kind of worried about their schedule. Um, just how it sets up. So it's a stay away for me. Um, what are your thoughts on Sparty? I am a believer in Mel Tucker. Uh, this guy just runs around. You're going to buy his NFT. He's got like an NFT coming out. Now. He's no, got like a, a token. Well, gosh, I got to stop buying Shohei Otani NFTs and get me a Mel Tucker NFT. The guy just runs around with a chip on his shoulder. That's the way he lives his life. That's the way he coaches his team. Seven and two against the spread as an underdog so far. And he covered every non-conference game last season. Uh, he does not take a week off. Uh, and his attitude is legitimately always little brother mode. Right. He adopts that. Uh, he puts that on his players and they've beat expectations so far since Mel Tucker has been there. And, you know, you don't we kind of throw out the two and five record from the pandemic season because there were some ups. There was an upset in there that he shouldn't have had. But, you know, you have to look at the player personnel. Kenneth Walker's gone. Jalen Naylor's gone. Two of the most explosive players in the Big Ten, along with the offensive line. They all depart and they leave huge holes. But 
The Spartans got over 6,800 snaps from the transfer portal, plus eight players gained. Former Wisconsin running back Jalen Berger was dismissed from Wisconsin, but now he's on the squad here. We don't know what happened there. He wasn't going to get any playing time with Braylon Allen, who we'll talk about. And then Colorado's Jared Broussard. You would think somebody that Mel Tucker recruited before he uh, took off for East Lansing is going to come in. They're going to fill the role of Kenneth Walker. And then in the air game, it's all about Jaden Reed, somebody that can do special teams, somebody that's going to be one of the most electric wide receivers in the nation. Uh, hauling in passes from Peyton Thorne. So I don't see a monster drop-off, even though Kenneth Walker, the Heisman hopeful, uh, is not there. I don't see it dropping off that much. Good transfers, and the hope is that the pass defense gets a lot better because it was absolutely very experienced secondary now. You had a Georgia corner, and I like some of the linebackers they brought in, Power 5. The hope is that the pass defense gets better because that it was just absolutely dreadful, and Ohio State exposed them in that regard. But there should be some improvement, you would think. Yeah, and that's because of the scheme that Scotty Hazleton is calling. But this team got very comfortable rushing three and dropping eight and letting everybody have the middle of the field. But then when you're finishing drives, when your defense doesn't hold up past the 40, it's, you know, you're going to get into boat races, which is you and I. I mean, you and I were betting overs week week in, week out. And I think by the third quarter, you and I were cashing tickets. There's a chance this team could win 10 games. They're going to be favorites in eight. I'm taking over seven and a half, even though I projected at 7.7. And considering Mel Tucker's history as an underdog history against non-conference play. I think they're going to snap somebody up. I don't know if it's Michigan. I don't know if it's Ohio state, but these conference odds that came out of like 60 to one true odds for Michigan state should be about 22 to one to win this conference. I'm not saying go out and spend a whole bunch on 40 to one, 60 to one, whatever these numbers are, but that is just way too high on these guys. Yeah, Maryland, we agree that numbers about right. We'll see if with another defensive coordinator, if they can improve on that side of the ball and if they can stop turning the ball over Hope is that a new kicker, transfer kicker, Ryland is pretty reliable, will help their special teams, but it's a Mac kicker, so we'll see. But it's going to be the same old Maryland story. They're going to be able to score. They have an electric receiving room. Um, I think the number's about right. The two teams bringing up the rear in the Big Ten East, Indiana and Rutgers win totals. Both of their win totals sitting at four. Both teams have ongoing quarterback jobs at Indiana or Rutgers. I mean, Indiana, the quarterback play at both of these schools last year was absolutely dreadful. I think both numbers are spot on here. Yeah, I'll give you just a couple sentences on each team and if if you like the over or under on each. I'm laying off of a Maryland future. Uh, I do love to watch this team, especially how explosive they are on offense with Dante Demas coming back fully healthy. Rakeem Jarrett is another weapon on the outside. Talia Tagoveola finished sixth best and uncatchable pass rate. I mean, he's accurate and that's fantastic. But except when he's throwing pick sixes to burn me against Penn State, they, they come in dozens. Uh, but, you know, I think the one game that you need to look out for on Maryland's schedule. SMU, if you want to go over the win total with Maryland, they have to beat SMU. And if you look at SMU, that game against Maryland falls the week before the Mustangs face their old coach, Sonny Dykes. I'm not sure they're going to have a care in the world about playing Maryland when they got Sonny Dykes. A little bit of off-field stuff, you know, that happened when Sonny Dykes left the campus. And I think that that roster for SMU is going to be ready to go and not really looking at Maryland. So I would go there. Indiana, as much as I enjoyed meeting head coach Tom Allen, I think nicest guy I met out of all the coaching circles, this team's going the wrong direction. Completely the wrong direction. You were bringing in Connor Bazelak from Missouri. Uh, he had more turnover-worthy plays and big-time throws last year. 
year. You have gotten Walt Bell as your offensive coordinator from UMass. There were struggles between Bell's coaching style and the players. It never sat well. I think there was going to be a strike. I, there was all kinds of things going on up at UMass. His previous stop at Florida State, there were rumors of Willie Taggart taking his play calling away. So if we're trying to find answers in the post-Michael Penix, Kalen DeBoer era, I don't think Walt Bell is it. And Connor Bazelak is definitely not it. If you want to bet their win total, just wait. Like if you if you like them, if you like some of the transfers they brought in, uh, it's ugly. I mean, last year their quarterbacks, they started four quarterbacks, including a walk-on. They had nine touchdowns and 15 interceptions with a 51% completion percentage. And I don't see it getting much better this year. Save your money. They have three winnable games to start the year against Illinois, Idaho, and Western Kentucky. Western Kentucky's off a bye. They also have to play Nebraska off a bye. Rutgers off of a bye. They have two road trips, two separate back-to-back road trips, Cincinnati, Nebraska, and Ohio State, Michigan State. So after those first three, like if they don't beat Illinois, not a given. And if they don't beat Western Kentucky off by, not a given. It's not going over. It's going to get ugly. So they better start 3-0 because then it gets brutal. This is a top-10 schedule. How about Rutgers? What do you see there? Yeah, Rutgers is an underplay, too. I mean, I'm happy that they made a bowl last year and Shiano's continuing to, you know, get the recruiting profile going up. But I'm not a believer in in, in Taj Harris uh, coming in via portal from Syracuse. I mean, he... He breaks a lot of tackles, but he and he's supposed he's supposed to fill Bo, Bo Melton's role, but uh, he's just not the same wide receiver. All of this is on uh, quarterback Gavin Wimsat, four star recruit. It's going to be one of the highest recruits that Rutgers has ever had. You know, I'm not banking on it whatsoever. So other than fumble luck, I don't know how they get to five wins. I mean, they're going to be the big- punter. They have a really good punter. They do. And by the way, I have a video. I asked him. I said, now that the punt god is in the NFL, what would you like your nickname to be? What nickname can we give you? Do you already have a nickname around campus? Like when we start referring to you as the best punter in the nation, what nickname would you like to Australian punt god or what would you like to be known yeah, as? Yeah, no, I don't know. I can't really pick my own nickname, I guess. My nickname around campus is it's just like generally just Aussie or something. I don't even think anyone knows my first name or last name. It's just Aussie and punter. Aussie the, and punter. That's the two I normally get. You guys can get creative with it. And generally, you guys are pretty good with the nicknames. So, Stuck, you're on the clock for getting Rutgers punter a uh, new nickname out. But, uh, yeah, under for these guys. They're going to punt a lot. I haven't projected at around four, but I have them a double-digit underdog at seven. They're for a realistic ceiling is like five, and a realistic floor is two. So, right. if I were to go one way or the other on the over-under, I would go under linebacker, which was, you know, last year a lot of experience. They had three linebackers that combined for 84 starts and – 850 tackles that are gone, had more injuries to linebacker in the spring, a very questionable linebacker group. Um, so we'll see what happens to Rutgers. But also, like Indiana, quarterback situation is meh, and they have a top 10 schedule, top 10 strength of schedule. That's not a recipe for success. All right, let's move on to the Big Ten West. Wisconsin plus 170 to take it home. Nebraska sitting at around plus 350. Iowa plus 400. Minnesota plus 500. Purdue plus 600, then Illinois 30 to 1, Northwestern 100 to 1. So you can see a little more, a little more wide open than the Big Ten East without Ohio State there at the top. And, and look, one of the things you notice when you look at the Big Ten is listen to some of these names Graham Mertz, Sean Clifford, Spencer Petrus, Tanner Morgan, Connor Basilek, Brian Halinski, DeVito, Noah Vedral. All these quarterbacks that have been around that have not had a success are still around somehow and still have the jobs. And that's the same case with our boy, your boy, Graham Mertz, who is going to get the job again because who's Wolf is not getting it. The backup, it's going to get Mertz. Mertz is going to have another chance. And what can he do? He will have one of the best running backs in the country. I think potentially the best talent wise. 
But there are other questions on this roster. The offensive line is not solidified yet, and that usually is. Obviously, at receiver, there's a new offensive coordinator, Bobby Ingram, who wants to pass it more. You want to do that with Graham Mertz and spread it out more? We'll see how that works out. And then the defense, which Jim Leonard is going to get a big-time job eventually, always does a great – and by the way, I think Wisconsin's offensive line is going to be excellent, but there's still some questions on a couple spots. But the defense, which Leonard always has – just right in line as one of the best in the country. Lost a lot, a lot of talent, especially at inside linebacker. Their linebacker, they're going to have like their fourth linebacker coach too in the, in the last year. So there's some a lot of questions on this defense, which you usually can rely on with Wisconsin. And can you really trust Graham Mertz? I have them projected at 8.24, win total not over nine plus 110. So I'd lean under here. They have a loss at Ohio State you can chalk up. They have four gimme wins. I have them favored around right around minus nine, 10 and four other games and then small dogs in a couple. But I think it's under or nothing with Wisconsin because the defense just lost too much and you just can't trust Graham Mertz. Yeah, I'm done. I'm done putting money on Graham Mertz, more turnover worthy plays and interceptions than big time throws and TDs. His numbers slightly improved with pressure in the pocket, but it's not that great. And what you're going to pass the ball with Braylon Allen in the backfield. So yeah, it's all running. And the good news is they have at least five offensive linemen with 300 career snaps. Uh, but it is a crossover schedule from hell. If you look at the odds for the Big Ten West, the three favorites are Iowa, Nebraska, Wisconsin. Wisconsin goes on the road to yep. both. Yep. So they're not my play to win the West at all. I mean, at Iowa, at Nebraska, uh, you know, I mean, the under is the play here. Uh, you'd want a hedge position in Lincoln on November 19th, but I'm not playing Wisconsin whatsoever. Moving on to Iowa, win total over seven and a half, minus one of five, minus 110. Guess what, Iowa City and the state, entire state of Iowa outside of Ames? I make your win total 8.01. I don't show value on the under. They have coaching stability. And guess what? I just I gave a bump to Iowa because I'm tired of just them overperforming. And I went back and I just double-checked all the things we talked about last year. Every year, they're going to have great special teams. They're going to win the turnover battle. They're not going to get penalties. All these little things, they're going to overperform. So, like, yeah, I'm not betting they're over. I have them at eight. And then it comes down to quarterback play. Spencer Peaches, how consistent can he be? What does this offense look like? There's a lot of questions on the roster. Um, they also draw Ohio State and Michigan out of the East. Um, they do get Wisconsin, Nebraska at home. So could potentially be good for the division. By the way, at Illinois, brutal spot. Illinois has some good spots. They go, they play Michigan, and then they go to Illinois before going to Ohio State. A little, little trappy. So we'll see if the defensive line can generate happy. So there's some questions with this team, but I have them favored by double digits in six games. Clear loss at Ohio State, and then like five coin flips. Uh, you know, the last four games of the year are all coin flips, basically. Minus three, minus three, minus three. So nothing for me. They're going to outperform metrics. That's what they're going to do. So I'm not going under. Yeah, I mean, Iowa's Iowa. I'm not sure if, for instance, those that this transfer portal exists. Uh, they brought in just one player. <laughs> you know, so 82% of the offense returns. They lose one of their best running backs over to Purdue that we'll talk about. But, you know, there's really two sides to Spencer Petras. There's a uh, best season ever from a decision-making standpoint by increasing his big-time turnover to turnover-worthy play ratio. But then there's a Spencer Petras that was benched and threw just a single TD and seven INTs in the second half of the season. So we'll see which one shows up this year. 
Tight end Sam Laporta is still there. He's going to be the biggest weapon on offense on every down. And the Hawkeyes defense was stellar per usual. And Jack Campbell is just a big oversized linebacker that just destroys everything that he runs into. And Riley Moss, the uh, pick six king, is back. Uh, And, you know, Iowa is going to be double digit favorites in six games. So, you know, there's a projected spread, like Stuck said, uh, of five or less the entire month of November against Purdue, Wisconsin, Minnesota, and Nebraska. So this isn't over for me. I expect Iowa to keep doing Iowa things and end up in a bowl with eight wins on New Year's Day. All right, let's move on to Nebraska, who I think we both like to win this division. So I'm sure that will end well. Nebraska. Honestly, it's not for everyone. Uh, they are plus 350 to win the division, over 7.5, minus 120. I, I played over 7.5, minus 110. It is my favorite and only win total that i played so far in the Big Ten. It is the one I show the biggest edge on by far, and it's one of my biggest bets that I've made. I show Nebraska, look, I mean, there's some a lot of things that I like what they did in the offseason. Um, I think Casey Thompson will be fine. Uh, they did lose, you know, a lot of key pieces that you have to be a little concerned about, an NFL cornerback. Their interior offensive line, but they brought a ton in through the transfer portal. I love what they did there. I love some of the coaches they brought in, specifically offensive coordinator Mark Whipple. I think the offense will be fine. Remember, this is a team last year that inexplicably went 0-9. 0-9 in one possession games. They somehow went 1-8 and in the Big Ten with a positive point differential. I don't even know how that's possible. A lot of positive regression potentially coming. But I like some of the players that they brought in. I think Casey Thompson will be fine. And I love the schedule. In their first nine games, I have them favored at all nine. Eight by double digits. The only one I don't is home against Oklahoma. And I'm prob- I love that matchup. Win just those games, and you're at eight wins, and you clear the win total. And that's before a coin flip at Ohio to close the year. You know, there'll be a dog maybe around a touchdown in Michigan, and then they'll be favored at home against Wisconsin before we even get to those last two games. Even if you lose to Oklahoma, just win the eight games you're favored by double digits. Now, we know Nebraska doesn't like to do that, but a lot of positive regression coming. I love who they brought in. I love the coaches that they brought in. And then one of the biggest things, why did Nebraska lose so many close games? Well, a lot of it was mental errors that you hope that they can fix and special teams blunders. I can't even count on my how many times Nebraska's lost games over the past few years because of special teams. Well, what do they have now? A special teams coordinator for the first time since 2016. What did they bring in? The FCS kicker, punter of the year, brought in reliable kickers from the transfer portal, FCS level as well. The the return game should be much better. The special teams, which this is a team that lost. Look at the Michigan State game. Remember the punt? Their return games, punt and kick, were among the worst in the nation. I think this potentially could be your most improved special teams unit in the nation, which could turn some of those close losses into wins. Love the schedule. Love the team. Love the potential regression coming. And uh, most importantly, I love the number. And they avoid Ohio State, Penn State, and Michigan State. Uh, give me Nebraska over. And I also love them to win the division. I'm, I'm with you there. Anything you want to add? Yeah, my bet is on the division plus 380. And, uh, you know, I think when Scott Frost uh, showed up to Big Ten Media Days, he looked very unhappy to be there. Um, he didn't really enjoy answering questions about how he has essentially no grip on this offense whatsoever. His comment was the same no matter what was asked. Whips is in charge. Whips is running with it. Whips is the one doing that. So he's referring to Mark Whipple coming over from Pitt. I don't think he's exactly happy that an athletic director 
Trev Alberts is putting all this on him, but if it turns out to be wins, everybody's going to be happy. But Frost is not in control of this team whatsoever. Trev Alberts is the one pulling the strings here. So we'll see how Mark Whipple turns out uh, running that offense. We'll see if Frost kind of overrules him on game day execution, what to do on fourth downs, what to do in certain situations. Um, You know, the biggest transfer you mentioned, Casey Thompson is coming in at quarterback out out with Adrian Martinez. And you're going to get a kid that was at Texas. And we still do not know what his ceiling can be because there are games against Texas Tech, Oklahoma, and Kansas where he had a 16 to 2 TD to INT ratio. But then there's games where, you know, against TCU where he had four turnover worthy plays and, and looked terrible. So, you know, the source of all this is pressure. When Casey Thompson doesn't have pressure, he had 22 TDs and four interceptions. When he does have pressure, his turnover worthy plays triple his big time throws. New offensive line coach comes in, Donovan Rayola. He was with the Bears for three years. So if you go do some digging on the Bears, dead last and adjusted sack rate last year. So we'll see how much Rayola was a part of that or if it was just maybe the unit itself. And I agree with you. You know, I I like this Nebraska team. The schedule is just so easy leading up to Thanksgiving week. Uh, You could take a ticket like I did on the division at plus 380, and you don't have to worry about it until Wisconsin and Iowa and Michigan come up there in mid-November. So this is something where you kind of, uh, I remember the little Ronco steamers. You set it, you forget it. I would bet on it. I wouldn't worry about it till November. You don't need a hedge plan at the beginning of the season. Just see how things play out. Isn't it, you guys, isn't it simple? You follow all instructions and you Either this is going to go extremely poorly with the way Frost has been kind of removed from the game execution, or it's going to go real smooth and they're going to win this division. They're going to be playing in the Big Ten Championship game. So uh, I'm betting on the latter. Yep, I completely agree. Before November 12th, there are only two road games. Before November 12th, they're at Purdue and at Rutgers. Uh, Minnesota, I do like the upside of bringing in Soroka as the offensive coordinator again, who just, you know, with his RPO quick slant scheme, he had so much success with Tanner Morgan before leaving. Now he's back, and I think that'll that could potentially do wonders for the offense. But there are questions on the offensive line, at receiver, across, you know, I have them – is what a touchdown dog in four games. Their win total is sitting at set over seven and a half minus one thirty. Uh, not much room for error there. I project them at six point nine two. So I would lean the under if anything. But I do respect that. I love that offensive coordinator move. So I'm personally staying away. You want to add a sentence or two or why you're going under on Minnesota? Oh, I'm going under because of the offensive line inexperienced. The front seven on defense is inexperienced. The trenches on both sides of the ball can be taken advantage of. I'm glad that there are holdover players from the Kirk Soraka uh, era when he was there. Listen, Minnesota just does not have it in the trench to hang with some of the teams on this schedule. The trench is going to be a thorn in the side of P.J. Fleck through a lot of these games. I project 6.8, so under is the play. Northwestern, we won't touch too much on there. Over four minus 105. They should be favored in four games, but only two gimmies. You know, they've got Miami of Ohio at home, far from a gimme. Um, and then they'll probably be favored at home against Illinois to close out the year. Just wait for that game. But it's a, you know, Northwestern, for whatever reason, Pat Fitzgerald, the defensive coordinator, the new defensive coordinator, struggled immensely last year with Tim O'Neill. We'll see if he can get it together in year two. But because Pat Fitzgerald, bad year, then good year. Usually have a bounce back in Northwestern. A lot of times does outperform their metrics. The last team we'll touch on is Purdue. Uh, look, Aiden O'Connell's back at quarterback. Purdue's win total over seven and a half plus 125. I project 6.52. This is an under 
that I may end up adding wearing Purdue gear. But then part of me just says it's probably going to come down to like the Penn State game to start the year or maybe the Indiana game to close out the year. So do I want to tie up my money? But I do have a lot of questions with this roster. Uh, You know, the good thing is they avoid Michigan, Michigan State, and Ohio State, and they have an easy road schedule, right? Like Hughes, Mini, Wisconsin, Illinois, Indiana. A lot of their tougher conference games are at home, but I generally don't like that for an over with a middling team. How What can O'Connell do to make everyone around him better is the biggest question, right? There's no David Bell. There's no right. There's like there's not a lot of talent on the outside, and there's the running game is non-existent. So uh, there's no explosiveness. There were 130th in passing explosives last year. And now they're a lot less talented on the outside of receiver, and they have no running game. So, I mean, how much can O'Connell really do when he's not playing the Tennessee defense in a bowl game? Carlaff, this is a huge loss on the defense side of the ball. His stats won't wow you, but he's at the attention that he drew on, on that defensive line with double and triple teams freed up a lot of other things that they were able to do. So I have a lot of questions about Purdue, but the first game, I hate these conference games to start at home against Penn State. They're like a field goal underdog. That sets the tone for the whole year. They win that. All of a sudden, you know, they're going to have a chance to go over. They lose that. It's going to be tough. So I'm not sure I want to tie up my money. Any quick thoughts before we wrap this up? Pat Fitzgerald told everybody at Big Ten Media Days that the formula for backing Northwestern is when he has experience. He said that flat out last year. He said, Literally, I, I thought I was listening to my own podcast last year when I heard him get up there and say we were the lowest team in returning production last season. That's why we started off and played so poorly. The season before that, we were the highest team in returning production and and look at the kind of results we had. And I'm just sitting there like Pat Fitzgerald is speaking my language. So if you're a believer in that, they get 80% of their offensive line snaps back. The schedule says that they can easily get to four. Uh, don't know where the fifth win is, but you know, play, play Northwestern when Pat Fitzgerald says we have experience as far as Purdue goes, you're right. Aiden O'Connell elevated himself so well in that offense, that Jack Plummer transferred to Cal, no room for Jack Plummer anymore. O'Connell finished up 10th highest graded quarterback in the power five last year, but I have issues with this team too. And this is the hot name, right? This is the name that everybody is saying can win this division and move on and play in the big 10 championship game. Uh, but you know, there, there's just, you know, the defense loses two key pieces. One is George Kaloftis uh, at edge and then coordinator Brad Lambert. He moved on to, to Wake Forest and Lambert moved this team inside the top 25 in tackling and he limited explosive plays and passing downs. Lambert has created havoc everywhere that he's been. So, you know, that's good for Wake. That's kind of bad news for Purdue. And the opener against Penn State is just a real matchup issue. The Nittany Lions are projected to have one of the best secondary units in the conference, if not in the country. And so that really, I mean, I might be taking Penn state in week one. I'm still doing a deep dive on that. See how Sean Clifford's doing, but Minnesota, Maryland, Nebraska, those are coin flip games, but those are teams with no experience at linebacker. So Aiden O'Connell can expose them. So I think really it's a game to game thing on Purdue. Can the back seven handle what Aiden O'Connell wants to do? But you know, my projection is a little bit lower than the seven and a half. They're the hot name. They're steaming in the market. Uh, Everybody expects a lot from them. But Brad Lambert's gone from that defense. Defense is going to step back. Their best player in the defensive line, not there anymore. So I'm kind of cool on Purdue here, and I think Penn State's going to be a play for me early. Yeah, I should mention with Northwestern, we'll see who wins that quarterback job. I would assume it's Ryan Holinsky, but there's a – I think Sullivan, the freshman, is impressing in camp, and I don't think a starter has been named. And when your first game is in Dublin, how are you not playing a guy named Sullivan? Yeah, fair enough. I don't think Indiana's named a starter either between Tuttle, who's terrible, and Connor Bazelak, who was terrible last year. 
I should mention that. And then Nebraska technically has a name there started between Thompson and Purdy, but I imagine Thompson will get it. Iowa, Peterson, Padilla. Peters should start. I don't know if it's Padilla or Padilla. I've heard both names called. Rutgers, Vedral, or they have a young kid, Simon, or Wisbat. I would assume Wisbat gets it, but we'll see. And then the last one we didn't mention, Illinois. Art Sikowski is awful. Uh, and Tommy DeVito, who they brought in, I think he fits kind of what they want to do. I love what Illinois did on the defense last year. I love Ryan Walters, the defensive coordinator. What a jump in efficiency they had, uh, especially against the pass. The problem is it's hard to find a lot of wins. They got to start, you know, they could start 4 0. They're going to, they have Wyoming at home, then they're at Indiana, then home against Virginia, and then home against Chattanooga. Then things get a little messy. I only have them favored in two games. I've projected 4.43. If I had to bet it, I would go over, but I think the number is about right. Before we wrap up, and we'll talk about Illinois some more because they're going to be playing in week zero. Favorite future and indoor win total. I don't think we need to go into the predictions for who wins the Big Ten because I think we both agree it's going to be Ohio State. But what do you got? Listen, there's no edge in the number, but I think Michigan's going to go over nine and a half. I don't think that we have seen how electric that this offense can be, something that we're not really used to with Michigan. Last year was ground and pound, uh, but now Donovan Edwards is going to get more touches. Ronnie Bell comes back from the offensive side. They got two capable quarterbacks, and Harbaugh's going to continue to ride the hot hand. It doesn't matter that there's new coordinators on both sides of the ball because they're going to run the same schemes. It's not going to change much what's going on. And this schedule is conducive that they're going to be favored all the way up until Ohio state. Uh, so I like Michigan over nine and a half. And then from a futures perspective, Nebraska plus three eighty is something that you, a ticket that you can put in your pocket and you don't have to worry about it until the middle of November when that schedule really counts specifically Wisconsin and Iowa at the end of the season or what's going to decide this division. Casey Thompson has a very high ceiling, also a very low floor, but that's going to work well with Mark Whipple coming in as offensive coordinator. And as long as Scott Frost can get some attention on those special teams, which have been near dead last in the nation for years, if they can get some improvement there, Nebraska is going to return to be in the old corn Huskers. They're going to win this division and play in the big 10 championship. So I love Nebraska plus 380 to win the West, something that you can easily hedge out towards the end of the season. All right. I'm going to build on what you said about Nebraska and my favorite win total is Nebraska over seven and a half games. I have them favored in their first nine games, eight of them by double digits, just win those games. And you're over the win total. Love the addition of Mark Whipple. Love what they did in the transfer portal. They did lose some production, some key positions, but I think they'll be able to replace them with some of the additions through the transfer portal. And like you mentioned, special teams has really cost this team, especially in close games. So those mistakes are amplified. Last year, they went 0-9 in one possession games. Crazy. So a lot of regression coming. And I think just by solving the special teams issues, some of these close losses can turn into close wins. And I think they did that. They finally have a special teams coordinator. They went out in the transfer portal, brought in a very reliable punter and kicker. I think their return units will be much better this year. And that'll make a world of difference for a very talented team that is due a lot of breaks this year. So I love it from a schedule perspective. And then for what they did in the offseason, give me Nebraska over seven and a half wins. From a futures perspective, look, I agree with a lot of the win totals and futures prices, but if there was what I was going to bet, just lay the 200. If you find minus 200 on Ohio State to win the Big Ten, this is their conference this year. All right, that'll do it for us. Thanks to Mike Ionella for joining me to talk some We Are Penn State football. Thanks to all of you for tuning in. We're going to about to record the two big two SEC episodes here shortly. We'll have special guests, Drew Franklin from KSR and our old friend Brody Miller 
from The Athletic to talk LSU. Can't wait for those two episodes. And obviously, Colin's going to give us all the insight on Arkansas. But leave a review, subscribe, unsubscribe, subscribe, tell a friend, tell an enemy. Five-star reviews. We're doing giveaways next week. They really help us out. You can say whatever you want. Make fun of Brett for pipping out Stetson Bennett for Heisman. Make fun of me for whatever you want, just as long as you leave a five-star review. And if you have already, just borrow someone's phone. But appreciate all the support. we got to go get cracking ahead of the SEC episode, so we'll see you shortly. Cheers. Peace out. Peace out.